0: Welcome to episode 203 of the MCU Fan Show. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman so that we can discuss the first teaser trailer, the long-awaited teaser trailer for Marvel Studios Eternals, the film directed by Chloe Zhao. But before we get to the main podcast, I just want to let you know where you can access all kinds of exclusive podcasts via our Patreon. And that's a patreon.com/slash Sean Gerber, S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R, or just hit the link in our show notes. There, you can access podcasts not available anywhere else, including Fan Show Plus, where right now I'm doing spoiler reviews of the Bad Batch Star Wars animated series on Disney Plus. And then make sure you're following us in all those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you are enjoying the podcast, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much to those of you who've already taken the time to do so. And now on with our show. How's it
1: going, Paul Herman? It's uh, pretty good. I mean, we've got uh, we've got something to talk about, so
0: it's pretty exciting, right? It's very exciting. It's nice that we have a steady stream of Marvel Studios news old podcast title to go along with, or really just cover this gap between the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki on Disney Plus. We're just a couple weeks out from Loki on Disney Plus, and I'm super excited about that, but also. We've kind of needed this, you know, some of the Loki news, the Shang-Chi news, and teaser trailer and all that stuff. We've really needed a lot of this material because we were spoiled from January through March. We just had, um, well, even through some of April, I mean, we just had so much Marvel every single week between WandaVision and The Falcon and The Winter Soldier. But a couple weeks ago, Marvel Studios was celebrating. The movies. I mean, Disney Plus is great, but Marvel Studios started at the movies, and that's where their biggest stories are still going to be told. Uh, And one of those stories is going to be Eternals, which hits theaters on November 5th. So, today, or at least on the day that we are recording this podcast, we got a brand new, the very first teaser trailer for the film. We also got a teaser poster for the film. Quick note about the teaser poster. Love that teaser poster. It might be my favorite Marvel Studios teaser poster since the first Guardians of the Galaxy teaser poster. Not the black and white album cover that you don't like, Paul. For the first movie, the 2014 Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, the You're Welcome teaser poster for Guardians. This might be my favorite one since that. Um, And it might even be, I might even like it a little bit better than that one. Before we get to the trailer, Paul, what'd you think of the poster?
1: Poster's fine. I, I I didn't hate it or love it. I mean, the posters are very. Marvel hasn't had a good history of those posters, in my opinion. So, this was just more of just like, okay, it's fine. It doesn't ins, it doesn't insult me, like it does. <laughs> it has it has in other times, but it didn't like make me go, oh my god. I well, mean, to be quite honest, yeah. I think the the Disney Plus posters are just as good as the the movie posters, if not better. At this point, I mean, they've only got two of them, but they're both. Destroy whatever they've done before pretty much in my opinion.
0: Well, I think a lot of the compositing is pretty much The same Uh, I think they're the teaser posters. I tend to like more than the the second posters that usually follow up like the full-blown theatrical poster Whatever they would call that because that one it is that similar thing. It's every character. We've got all smashed together in the middle and I understand that it serves a marketing purpose. It's so that anybody who's looking at that, it, those posters, as much as we talk about them, aren't necessarily for us. They're really for anybody who might, al- I mean, we're already bought and sold on this stuff, right? We're going to watch whatever the Marvel Studios Disney Plus series is. We're going to watch whatever the Marvel Studios movie is. But for somebody who's just casually looking at stuff, scrolling through on their timeline or... Way back when we used to go to movie theaters and the way you would find out about a movie is a poster in a movie theater. It helps to see who's in the movie and see different characters and actors and all that stuff. So I understand the marketing function of the way Marvel does their posters, but usually it's just a, it's just usually a little more style in the teaser poster and a little, sometimes they get a chance to be a little more artsy, uh, which I appreciated in this Eternals teaser poster. Yeah. in the end, this one is yeah,
1: yeah. This one's a little a little bit more of um. I would say almost a callback to like old movie posters, yeah. and a little bit more of a tease rather Absolutely. than just like, you know what I mean. Like yeah. I'm glad. Okay, I'm not the only one. Who thought yeah,
0: that, no. I mean, I think that's what I like about it. Is it? It's a good match for this teaser trailer. It's more about the mood of it than it is specifically what's in it. And I think I, I like that approach of just trying to generate a little bit of intrigue for the potential audience for a movie like this, so I really do like the poster. But before we talk about the teaser trailer, it might help to go down uh, or go through a little bit of Eternals 101. We've done this before on the podcast, but it's been a little while since we've done it. It's been a few years already since we've done it. That's how long we've been waiting for this movie and to see something from this movie. And I know we have a lot of new listeners on the podcast that have come along since we last did that, including this year with those of uh, of you who have found us through WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier spoiler reviews. Thank you for finding us and sticking with us. And to those of you who've been around the whole time, I really appreciate it no matter when you joined uh, our podcast or started listening. But just for the benefit of those who may not know who these characters are, Quick summary is that the Eternals are a group of immortal, superpower beings created by the Celestials, and the Celestials are characters you have seen before in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The first one you saw was a severed head that's nowhere in Guardians of the Galaxy. That's how gigantic these Celestials you can uh, these Celestials can be. Uh, another one, another very large one that was wielding the Power Stone, was shown in a flashback sequence as the Collector was explaining what Infinity Stones were in Guardians of the Galaxy. And then Ego was also a Celestial in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, although it took a different form than we normally think of for Celestials. Really think more along the lines of Nowhere and the guy in the flashback sequence where, who was wielding the Power Stone in Guardians of the Galaxy. That's really more of what we're talking about with Celestials with respect to the Eternals. And the Celestials, way back when created three different species on Earth. They created the Eternals, they created the monstrous Deviants, and they created human beings. They also gave human beings the ability to upgrade themselves over time. That was retconned to basically explain the mutant gene in Marvel Comics. We don't know whether or not that will be relevant in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but the Eternals, they are immortal. They have various superpowers And so that's all you really need to know is they've been around for a very long time. Who are they in the MCU? Well, we don't know. What we do know is it seems like they've been here the whole time, clearly based Mm -hmm. on this trailer, but they have not made their presence known to us until now, for some reason that will be revealed in the film. The synopsis for this Eternals movie is Marvel Studios Eternals welcomes an exciting new team of superheroes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The epic story spanning thousands of years features a group of immortal heroes forced out of the shadows to reunite against mankind's oldest enemy, the Deviants. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, this film is directed by very recent newly minted Oscar winner for Best Director Chloe Zhao, whose last film, Nomadland, also won Best Picture at the Oscars this year. And we have an all-star cast, Richard Madden as the all-powerful Icarus, Gemma Chan as the humankind-loving Circe. Kumail Nanjiani as the cosmic-powered Kingo, Lauren Ridloff as the super-fast Makari, Brian Tyree Henry as the intelligent inventor Fastos, Salma Hayek as the wise and spiritual leader Ajak Leah McHugh as the eternally young old soul Sprite, Don Lee as the powerful Gilgamesh, Barry Kagan as aloof loner Druig, Angelina Jolie as the fierce warrior Thena, and Kit Harrington plays Dane Whitman, otherwise known in Marvel Comics as the Black Knight, Black or one Knight. of them. One of yes, them. Yes, one of them. Been a yeah. few, but Dane Whitman is one of them, and that's who Kit Harington is playing in this film. We didn't see anything for Black Knight in this trailer. We saw Dane Whitman. We didn't see any sort of costume for him. We did get a great look at the Eternals costumes uh, toward the end of this teaser trailer, but we will get to that. So now that we've level set who's in this movie and who they're playing, as well as just the tiny little bit of, that we got from the synopsis, Paul, let's talk about this trailer. And I love the opening of this teaser trailer because it shows you immediately that this is a Chloe Zhao movie. If any of you are familiar with her work or if you're not familiar, watch films like Nomadland, watch The Writer. Chloe Zhao is very much, uh, certainly favors capturing as much in camera as possible. And you see that immediately in this. I mean, a beautiful shot just going over the sea and looking back at this coastline as the song The End of the World is playing, that song written by Sylvia D and Arthur Kent, performed by many people, but this is the Skeeter Davis uh, rendition that we are getting here. And we're looking at, as we're looking at this coastline, it appears to be a very long time ago. We see this ancient village, and a ship comes in looking over this area, and it's Circe and Icarus aboard this ship. I mean, it's several Eternals, presumably, but we see them looking out over this area and seriously saying, it's beautiful, isn't it? And just instantly, as I said, gorgeous cinematography. Ben Davis was the director of photography on this film. He did Guardians of the Galaxy, Ultron, Doctor Strange, and Captain Marvel for Marvel Mm. Studios. But Joshua James Richards was one of the camera operators on this. He is Chloe Zhao's partner and her cinematographer on her previous films. And so we're seeing the look of that really captured here, and I just, I absolutely loved it, uh, that we're seeing a Chloe Zhao movie in the MCU looking like a Chloe Zhao movie.
1: Right off the bat, Sean, I was kind of surprised by the visuals. The music, the modern-day music was a little bit jarring. Not my not my own personal preference as, I think, introducing these kind of like immortal beings, but that's neither here or there necessarily. So, but the landscapes that we are being given is very much like, look what like God has given us. Now, I don't want to get too spiritual here, but you get what I'm saying. Like, here is what, you know, that has been created for us by these beings, if you will. Or, you know, that's what I at least I interpret it as like God's gift to us, which is this beautiful world we live in and are you know slowly destroying. Um, but, you know, here we have this world and then. And then come in comes these gods, right? The, you know, these primitive people. And then all of a sudden you have like this crazy looking, um, it looks alien, but it's not, it, it very it looks ancient. Even the ship itself is so basic in design. I was like, Whoa, okay. Like this is way, it, it immediately told me that this is not going to be the same Marvel kind of story that we were going to be, you know, we're used to have gotten, and I was a little surprised, to be honest. It was a very jarring, in a good way, visual to see that on screen with, you know, kind of like, you're kind of like the the contrast between the primitive and this like, you know, godlike be, mm-hmm. you know, godlike beings on a spaceship. That's very, again, very basic. It was just a very interesting uh, dynamic to look at, and it was really cool. I, again, that was a great. A great way to introduce, I think, the audience in a very subtle way. I guess you call it subtle. You know what I'm saying. But in, in a yeah. way where people don't necessarily, necessarily realize that, oh, it's telling you this is a lot different visually right, right off the bat. And I think people are going to go, oh, OK, they almost like will accept what comes afterwards because of the setup of this one shot itself.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you right away, whether you're thinking of it in that way or not. I think you're probably just watching the trailer and processing it. But when you apply just a little bit of thought to it, like, yeah, it's pretty apparent immediately that this is not kind of what we're used to seeing. And that's not to feed into the whole all Marvel movies are the same. They never have been and never will be. But this is just another argument against that and maybe the biggest and best argument against that so far, because there's no question that this looks like a Chloe Zhao film. And, and certainly, this is a, a director hire that I've been a big fan of since Marvel made this choice uh, a couple years ago, or we found out about it a couple years ago. I've said before on this podcast, I think this is the best director hire that they've made since Ryan Coogler for Black Panther. And it was just a matter of making sure what's been great about her films in the past would make it into this version in the MCU, which I always felt like it would, but there's a difference between having confidence in something, just in thinking about it, versus actually seeing it, uh, as we see in this teaser trailer, and I do like the song choice of The End of the World, I mean, it's not that modern, I mean, relative to, like, eternal beings, yeah, sure, it's fairly modern, but, uh, it's about 60 years old, I think, I mean, it's been around a while, But also, I I Mm. think the lyrics of it kind of speak to some things thematically that might be relevant to the film, and maybe they won't be. But, I mean, The End of the World as the title of the song probably doesn't feel that significant, which is weird to say. The End of the World doesn't feel that significant, but we just came back from the end of the universe in Infinity War and Endgame. So, The End of the World almost seems like small stakes compared to where we've been before. But, of course... The size of, you know, what's at stake isn't that's not really where the stakes come from as far as, you know, how many people may or may not die as a result of this. But what I do like about it is, you know, the end of the world, that song, like the lyrics, it's more having to do with the world being over. Why are all these things still going on when it's the end of the world because you don't love me anymore or because I've lost your love? And if you think back to the Eternals and where they were in the comic books when in Jack Kirby's original run from the 1970s, and even in more modern runs on Eternals, a lot of it had to do with the Eternals trying to, I mean, if we're talking about what would cause the world to end, well, from a celestial perspective, once a world kind of runs out of favor with the Celestials, the Celestials just take it out. And that was part of what was happening in Jack Kirby's original Eternals run is the Celestials had, uh, they had awakened, they had come to Earth. And, and when they came to Earth, it was this period, of, it was supposed to be like a 50-year period of judgment, which Jack Kirby never got to finish in those books. But this period of judgment where either mankind was going to prove itself, or it would lose the love of the Eternals, and it would be, or the Celestials, and it would be the end of the world. And in fact, it was the Eternals' job to help mankind prove itself to be worthy of the love and approval of their existence to the celestials. Now, that's most likely me reading way too much into a trailer song choice. But since we're doing an entire podcast about a trailer, I just had to run with that. So yeah, my sure, apologies. Yeah. So, uh, the, But the song might be thematically very relevant as sure. a choice here. And, and so, and if it proves to be based on any, any what we get in the plotting of the actual plot of the film... Then sure, um, the yeah. song choice for the trailer will be even better. Um, what I also liked about this though, visually, before we get into like the beat by beat breakdown, just looking at a, a couple things overall, is the visual effects. Cause I think that was one question mark I had for this movie, is just knowing how much Chloe Zhao likes to do in camera for real. How would the inevitable digital effects that are going to be part of a Marvel Studios movie or any superhero movie for that matter, how is that going to work with uh, so much being emphasized as being in camera, not necessarily going up against green screen and everything else? And the marriage of those two styles, I think, is working out really, really well in this trailer. Like I think the VFX are what we can what I can obviously tell is digital. Um, because it just has to be, because those things don't exist and you can't get them in camera. They're working really well with the things that presumably would have been captured in camera. And so because sometimes that's where it's a little bit jarring when you're trying to pair, obviously, digital effects with uh, with so much in camera work uh, and so many things that are done practically. But it looks pretty seamless to me. So they're being able to marry these two styles of the MCU epic with a Chloe Zhao, uh, you know, visually stunning style of filmmaking.
1: Yeah. and that's something that I wish I, I I knew better about. Unfortunately, I'm not as much the movie person anymore and I'm going straight into the comic medium is kind of where I'm I'm living in most of my life now. And so I do appreciate the fact that you're kind of giving you're kind of breaking this down from the film standpoint, Sean, because I have no idea her style or anything. And I need to check it out cause he just won an Oscar. And I, I'm just very lazy when it comes to f- film these days. And maybe one day I'll change as far as that goes. But I agree the visuals, it definitely the scope of just kind of the angles some of the, and some of the, the, um, some of the angles of the, the, and, and shots, um, that we see in this trailer are very interesting and definitely have a style mm-hmm. that, and again, I'm not like this big movie guy as far as, um, you know, movie buff or, uh, Cine, cinephile, was that what they call them? I don't yeah. know they well, call I
0: think what you see here, I mean, just visually what is apparent within the trailer is you see this combination of these big, sweeping, you know, epic style of shots, like the big yeah. overhead of like the Bollywood number with Kumail Nanjiani's Kingo, and then also being able to achieve certain level of intimacy with some of the, the closer shots with the characters, really kind of establishing the relationships between some of these characters and it's yeah. hard to do. Like, how do you visually capture the idea of characters whose lives have spanned thousands of years in a story that's spanning 7000 years, of the, as they've said, you know, Kevin Feige and others have said in various interviews about this movie, how do you give it that sense? How do you give it that sense of gravitas? How do you give it that that sort of how do you put that sort of weight on it uh, and, and represent that visually? And I think they're doing a pretty good job of it just based on what we're seeing yeah in this trailer and and now you know 20 minutes into the podcast let's talk about stuff we actually see in the trailer.
1: Yeah, really really quick. One thing I will add to that is I and this is a straight up like not kidding when I say this, I think there I haven't seen an immediate style where you can I mm. notice a filmmaker specific style um even and this is going with Ryan Coogler immediately in a trailer besides James Gunn. James Gunn has a definitive style and I I could recognize it and I've seen a lot of his films but with right. her not even seen her film, I can tell this is like sense from a style wise. Right. And, and maybe Scott, Scott, um, oh my gosh, um, Erickson, Eric, oh Scott Erickson. Oh yeah. So Scott Erickson, I, that a little bit more too, maybe, but I'd say her and James Gunn, I think both have such distinct styles that I picked up on it right away. Like, okay, this is a lot different. This is, this is one filmmaker style, not a Marvel or, you know, going for some kind of different kind of feel. This is a filmmaker style. So I definitely felt that immediately in this trailer.
0: Yeah, and I also have to, I mentioned his name before, but have to give some credit to Ben Davis here as the director of photography, because you mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy, you mentioned Doctor Strange, he was the DP on each of those, and he also did Captain Marvel, and those are three very different looking Marvel Studios movies. They're all Marvel Studios, but you can't really tell me that Guardians looks like Doctor Strange, or look, and Doctor Strange looks like Captain Marvel, or any of those things. They all have A different look to them, and and I think Ben Davis just seems to be. I mean, I I think there are other great directors of photography that have worked on Marvel movies, but Ben Davis as a DP certainly has shown the ability to still be really good while adapting to the style of the filmmaker and and making sure that he's serving the vision of the filmmakers he's working with. In this case, Chloe Zhao being able to step in because he's not worked for her before as a director of photography, but he's been able to help capture that. And help uh, bring her vision to life, and of course, it's her at the helm as uh, the director of this movie. And so, as we continue on uh, with the trailer, so we have been talking a little bit about what's in the trailer. So, uh, left off on the beat by beat here, talking about Circe and Icarus, uh, you know, looking over this village. And as we continue on, we see Ajax walking down a hallway. We get a quick shot of Angelina Jolie as Thina a close-up on Ajak, and he's in that same room in another, we cut to Fastos, played by Brian Tyree Henry, working on something, and Sprite, Leah McHugh, is sitting there in the background, and we see this golden energy, and we see that Fastos is manipulating it in some sort of way, I don't know if he's modeling something, or what exactly he's doing, uh, but we will see this energy throughout the trailer, and uh, that might be some kind of energy that the Eternals can tap into, maybe it's some sort of celestial energy, it certainly plays into the Unimind, which I'll talk more about uh, as we go on. Uh, but I also love the way uh, all that gold energy turns into a really cool title treatment for the Marvel Studios logo, that looked pretty great. Um, we see Circe walking among some crops and she provides a little water to help irrigate those crops. And we hear a voiceover, this is from Salma Hayek's Ajax, saying, We have watched and guided, as we see a little girl doing Cersei's hair as Icarus watches. Cersei, I think, looks like it's her handing someone a golden knife. Uh, we hear the voiceover, we have helped them progress. And we see Thena either battling or training. Uh, looks like her weapon from the comics, the staff that she has in the comics, which is cool. They're just adding that visual touch. But also there's a dude in the background who has a shield that has rings on it and a star in the middle so i don't know if this is some ancient unknown inspiration for captain america's shield or exactly what this is but it's very clearly there uh in the background uh we see people bowing before the eternals as they stand what before what appears to be the gates of babylon um, and the voiceover continues. You know they had helped them progress, and then the, it says and seen them accomplish wonders. Well, as we look behind those gates, it looks like we're seeing the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. So, accomplish wonders. Well, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon were one of the seven ancient wonder, were one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Uh, we see Makari speed reading, and this has to be more present day because we see a collection of things that Makari has, and. She's got stuff Makari played by Lauren Ridloff. She's got stuff from ancient Egypt, but she's also got a PlayStation VR headset. She's got a copy of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas by Hunter S. Thompson. Uh Cersei, we see her looking around through different time periods as the voiceover from Ajax continues throughout the years. We have never interfered. And we see, because I know this is one of the questions that has come up and it feels like the question was obviously reignited by the, tra- by the trailer debuting today, but this has been an essential question about the Eternals this whole time because we see conflicts and we see tragedies across history. We see battles, people being killed. We see uh, Sprite, played by Leah McHugh. Looks like she is in tears and she's looking at... It looks like it's the aftermath of a volcano eruption that we see later in the trailer. I don't know if this is Pompeii or if this is somewhere else, but presumably this is a volcano eruption that has killed a lot of people and something that maybe the Eternals had the ability to prevent some of that death and destruction and ultimately did not interfere. And this, I I think, brings up the question that, as I said, has been around for pretty much the whole time that we've been thinking about these characters being introduced in the MCU, which is where have they been throughout these huge events with just devastating loss of life uh, loss of life throughout the MCU whether you're talking about various solo movies or the Avengers movies especially Avengers Infinity War where half of all life in the universe is extinguished and then even when it's brought back in Avengers Endgame Thanos is trying to end it all again and we didn't see the Eternals interfering during any of that and this is explained to us right in the trailer through the voiceover a little bit they've been here they've helped guide they've kind of nudged humanity along to try and help but they've never directly interfered or certainly haven't stepped in in these moments I mean they've witnessed it they've been there they've been present for us uh, present for it and wanted to maybe interfere in some cases but they never actually did and I don't have a problem with this yet. I I think I I have seen this criticism of it, of these characters and why they didn't interfere. But to me, it's just one of the questions to be answered in the movie. I don't think it's the sort of question, Paul, that you could answer right now. Like if it's, this is such a complicated question of why the Eternals would not have interfered that if you explain it completely within the first teaser trailer, there's no way that's an answer that any of us would buy. This has to be something a little more complicated and nuanced uh, that I'm sure we will discover throughout uh, watching the actual story unfold in this movie. And that doesn't mean it's the only question that has to be answered. It doesn't even mean it's the most important question that has to be answered. And it doesn't mean that we're ultimately going to buy whatever the explanation is. But we only have a chance at having a worthwhile explanation if it's given to us throughout the story that's being told in the film, as opposed to dropped immediately in one teaser trailer
1: well I, and I think that this is something that is going to be honestly the the basis of the movie to be to be quite honest I mean I don't think it's what I mean what I say what I mean by that is that the Eternals and, and if you read the comic books you know that Circe is an active member of the Avengers for for many many years and she's you know if you again we're counting OG Eternals not you know add in you know retcon or kind of g- change as you uh, as you go well eternals. i mean like,
0: the original eternals weren't even part of the main marvel universe they were part of a universe where that was actually closer to our universe where the marvel world was fictional because hulk was identified as a fictional character in the original yeah. jack kirby run i mean retconning comics, is what yeah. got him in the marvel universe in the first place
1: yeah yeah i yeah i don't know that yeah oh god jack kirby i love you but man those comics whoo visually yes story-wise no um but anyway that's a whole other podcast uh but no but like I think that what I think is Cersei is going to be obviously one of the, the main characters the main main character mm-hmm. we, we, she's one of the first ones we see and uh I think that what's going to happen is we're going to see the Eternals kind of just do their thing through over time and the, as we see in the trailer. And, and and they've done a great job, I think, of explaining that and the, how the fact that they're acknowledging these Avengers and these characters exist and everything. But oh yeah, but we don't mess with it. I think Cersei is going to finally be the one to be like, I have we have to I have to break away because I can't do this anymore. I can't let right. I can't you know especially with her connection with Dane Whitman as we see as you know AKA Jon Snow. Sorry, I will only call him Jon Snow. Um, you know, in the movie as, as he'll be Black Knight, and so I think that it's. You know, people who complain about that. I think that's going to be honestly the basis of the movie. These these godlike people could be saving the world, but they don't because they're just because they are gods and they're living among the people. They're just kind of, you know, I guess, they're kind of there for you know, bigger, like maybe you know, even like more of like celestial threats or. Right. You know, something like that. But I think, I mean, that's the thing. Like, whereas Loki, it just seems like, again, kind of like in Avengers, like, you know, you're playing with a higher power. You're going to let higher powers in and you're going to let that world know that you're in for a stronger um, threat. So, you are you're, you're, you're able to protect yourself. And I wonder if that kind of plays into that idea that. The Eternals are like, oh, well, we have, you know, yeah, like Loki's around, but they got Thor. So they're evenly matched, like something like that. That's they're gonna, that's going to be their justification because they're only there as the emergency backup people. And it's like when I say that, it sounds ridiculous in, you know, by our in our accounts. But remember, these people are basically gods, right? You know, even even above, I would say um, uh, the extra, you know, above, I'd say Thor and Odin at this point, because. They are, you know, made by this, these in, these infinite infinite beings called the Celestials. Whereas, you know, this mythology that Odin is, Odin's as old as time. You know what I mean? He's kind of there, and there's, I don't know. It's, it just feels like they're they've been there longer than even Thor has, at least at this point. Maybe not Odin, because that's a whole different thing. But it feels like the Eternals are we're gods. We only we only interfere here or there. It's got to be a major thing for us to do it, and like Loki. Isn't big enough, Thanos. Yeah. Maybe, and again, maybe isn't big enough. I don't know. And maybe what we don't know. Let me throw this out to you, Sean. What we don't know is when does this take place in the timeline? Does it take place before Infinity War? It no, place it's after? it is
0: it's after. They've uh, they've released other details that show after the events of Avengers Endgame that something happens that brings them in. Now, obviously, this story is spanning literally thousands of years. Right. We see it in this right. teaser trailer, but there will be events. Here that unfold that are taking place. And I think, you know, the main thing that brings the Eternals out of hiding is going to be something that's post endgame, which certainly speaks to what that could be. Like if Thanos wasn't enough and the Infinity Stones, if those weren't enough to get the Eternals to emerge and actually start to interfere for the first time ever, like what could it possibly be? And I almost feel like that could only be a letdown because like, well, come on, like Thanos, Infinity Stones, Endgame, like took out everybody. Like, how could it be anything else? How could anything else be bigger than that? But we also know that the Eternals, like in the comic books, they kind of live by these these rules. Like when they say mankind's oldest enemy, the Deviants, well, that's kind of the only people that the Eternals were fighting in the comics for a long time as well as conflicts amongst themselves, other Eternals. And then conflicts with the Deviants. And the idea was to basically not, not allow the Deviants to enslave mankind, to, to take out the Deviants and, and, and ultimately, and also the Celestials have acted out against the Deviants. Because the Deviants basically abused the, their gift of existence uh, that was yeah. given to them by the Celestials and they've been punished by, I mean, they've been sunk into the ocean by the, you know, by Celestials, by the Eternals, and all of that stuff. So I think, and I don't know how much of that is going to factor into the movie or not, we just know that it's going to have deviants, and we know we have Eternals and Celestials as well, and so maybe it's that, And, and maybe that's why the Eternals haven't interfered, is that's not really their job. Like, if, It's something. If it's like the deviants, like they'll do that to kind of cancel out the deviants. But really, it's more about mankind being able to prove its own worth um, and and not necessarily be saved by the Eternals at every turn. Especially when so much of the destruction that we see, or some at least some of the destruction that we see, the Eternals kind of not necessarily interfering with is destruction that mankind has brought upon itself. It's human beings killing and harming other human beings, but there's also natural disasters like the the volcano eruption that are in play here. But we also know that's not really true. The whole throughout the years, we have never interfered until now. What do we see in this teaser trailer? We see them interfering. We see as uh, a structure is collapsing and it's about to fall on this kid, Makari uses the super speed to save that kid. Um, So we know that they have interfered in small little moments here and there. Or Circe when, as we see her walking within those crops, like she's providing water for those crops, which is food for those people. So it's like the whole idea of helping them, like they have interfered, it's just been in smaller ways where ultimately humankind has to take the next step for themselves and the biggest, most important steps for themselves. And they've just kind of been nudged a little bit here and there by the Eternals and then something is going to change, you know, until now. Now they're going to be interfering in a bigger way. And we see Druig, played by Barry Kagan. Uh, and also, oh, one more, one more thing we see is they're describing the whole not interfering throughout history. Ajak and Fastos holding each other uh, in a more modern day setting. So we get these different examples between Makari, Sprite, Ajak, and Fastos. So the Eternals not really loving the fact that they haven't been interfering in a larger way. Uh, and then we see Druig coming out of some building it looks like he's probably facing the Eternals from the footage that we got a couple weeks ago. The Marvel Studios celebrates the movie's footage. Uh, we get a shot of Gilgamesh and I think Thena, and I think that's who that is. I can't tell because we don't see the full costume, but joining hands, there's a figure that is suspended behind them. I think this is probably a deviant, maybe. Um, instead, we see Makari saving a kid. Another quick shot of Ajax. And then we see this uh, shot of, it starts with Druig, but then we see the shot go wider and we see Cersei and Makari. and it's probably more Eternals, we're just seeing this three in this shot in the trailer, Um, but we're seeing them levitating and sharing kind of some of that gold energy uh, that we've seen in other spots uh, throughout the trailer, and they are forming, it looks like they're forming what's known as the Unimind in Eternals, so... It's not 100% crystal clear exactly what that does in the comic. Well, it's clear enough. So when things get really bad for the Eternals and everything is at stake and they have to figure out what is the best path forward in order to meet some challenge, they all start flying around in a circle and they form this thing called the Unimind where it's basically all of their being and all of their knowledge coming together as one, which is supposed to help them figure out what it is they're supposed to do and what their path forward has to be. It looks like this is the MCU version of forming the Unimind, and and I'm good enough with that. I don't necessarily need to see all the Eternals flying around in a circle uh, like they do in the comic books to just create this big swirl where you can't really see them anymore. Um, So I think that's what that is in the trailer. We see Thena uh, a shot we saw in the previous footage from Marvel Studios celebrates the movies. Thena with that golden sword, uh, we see Cersei and Icarus's millennia-spanning love. Uh, we see some of that Eternals energy on a tree, and we see this uh, the Bollywood dancing number with Kingo, who we know also is that's his human identity. Even though the Eternals are supposed to be keeping a low profile, we know that Kingo has just allowed himself to be a Bollywood star. Uh, that's been described previously in interviews. Uh, looks like it's Kingo in another shot sliding under and fighting what's probably a deviant. Looks to be in that same environment uh, where Druig is coming out, presumably looking at the Eternals. And we also see in that what seems to be that similar environment, some people with some pretty glowy eyes uh, aiming their guns at something. And they're probably aiming at other Eternals, and they're probably controlled by Druig, Barry Kagan's character, because that's something he can do. In the comic books so mind control is sort of thing he's capable of and I think this points to as far as antagonists go in Eternals yes we're gonna have the monstrous Deviants but Druig has also been another a fellow Eternal has been an antagonist in the comic books and it looks like he's probably going to play that role here but this could be more of a philosophical antagonist because mm. we know that Eternals are feeling different about things right like They've probably been messed up by this whole idea of sitting around for thousands of years, watching various tragedies, watching humankind commit atrocities against each other, see other things happening where it's not mankind necessarily doing it, but it's other things happening to them, be it a natural disaster or a giant purple alien coming to town, snapping his fingers and taking out half of all life in the universe, and probably not interfering mess people up in ways that they have different perspectives on how exactly they should do that and how exactly they should interfere. And Druig almost feels like more of that Loki philosophy. I mean, if we're comparing Eternals to Asgardians, Druig is not necessarily Loki in terms of personality, but if we're looking for one potential similarity is that, yeah, Loki's answer to it is just control them. And maybe that, and that's the best way to interfere is to control them. And maybe Druig feels uh, a similar way. But I think that's what we're looking at as far as potential antagonists in this movie. We know deviants will be the big monsters that they fight. But uh, and there might be a, you know, there are leaders of the deviants uh, who could show up in this movie. But also, it looks like Druig is going to be a, a problem for the rest of the Eternals.
1: Yeah, you know, and this is something I, I really want to you know, tell people if, if they're really, really intrigued about the Eternals. And I think that. This trailer does a great job of, of setup. And I got to be honest. I mean, I, 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 I was not sure about this movie and I'm still not sure about this movie it's to a point, but this trailer definitely made me get behind their decision to make this movie a lot more. And I, and I've always said that and like, listen, I'm all about being proven wrong. I have no problem saying I'll eat crow. I went on and said I thought Ant Man was going to be a terrible movie, and it's now in my top ten Marvel films. I love that movie to death, and and I got to tell you, I, 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 what I'm seeing is giving me a lot of uh, positive uh, feelings of, of where we're going. And and and, I, and like like you said, Sean, there's a, the fact they're doing a team that's not kind of like a Guardians of the Galaxy that's in a sense to where it's not like the Avengers where you're, you're building up to this event of these people coming together. It's, it's an ensemble piece, right? That's what this is. And you're going to get conflict within those things and set up in those things. And I think right now, you know, for those who are really interested in like learning more about these, uh, characters, yeah, I can go to a Wikipedia page or, or, you know, go on YouTube and, and fire up someone being like, Hey, explain to me all the eternals please. And they can spend the half hour, you know, just, you know, doing a comic book, you know, material and show you a bunch of spoilers or whatever. But honestly, and I it's my own shameless plug, but I, I, I got to say it right now that there is a great Eternals comic series right now uh, written by Karen Gillen, um, that is just great. And uh, Ribic, the guy who did the art for the Thor run, the original Thor run with um, Jason Aaron, uh, the God Bircher arc that we'll see I'm assuming Christian Bale, you know, play the God but- butcher, the same guy who designed that character and drew that first arc for, by Jason Aaron, a great arc is the artist for the Eternals comic book right now. And it's very much aimed around those eternal characters. And I, and it really does set up, you know, and I'm bringing it all back to the trailer here because it does a great job of, of being like the, the movie and these movie in- iterations and still within that Marvel you know comic book universe, you kind of learn about them because I and I, I've, I've been, you know, I'm not going to lie and say I know all about the eternal. I barely knew anything about the Eternals. And that was those were characters that Marvel barely touched. Right. So and we you talked about on Patreon episodes about, you know, we read the comic books and everything. This new comic series, Sean, is by far like way better and way more interesting and way more in line of what they're doing with this movie. And it's really, really good. Like and you talk about the world mind. The world line is like the central part of it. And I don't, don't want to say it's a spoiler, but it's kind of gets you intrigued of where it could go and what they could be doing with the film with this comic series. And I don't think it's like they're one for one, but they're a great introduction to these characters. And again, I don't, I know Circe and Icarus and uh, that's pretty much it. Like a, a Athena. And I know those three characters pretty much off the top of my head. After that, I'm like, hey Jack, uh, wait, well, who, uh, what? I mean, I, I don't know mm-hmm. that much. So, I, and I really got to say that the world mind, all that is super interesting. And, and what Karen Gillan doing in that comic series is really, really cool. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that in this trailer. So it's really cool to kind of see the comics and the movie kind of in line for like the first time, honestly, as like the 616 universe goes kind of in line for the first time in a, in a while. Like, and I don't mean like this from an aesthetic standpoint, I'm like, Hey, we were in the same costume like they usually do. Right. Which again, I don't blame them. But this very very much feels like, man, they're kind of they're kind of more in line than they ever have for characters than I've seen. So if you're, you know again, I have a video on, on the comic binge that I kind of talk about a little bit more in depth and I, I, sh- I throw some panels on there just kind of give a little preview. but it's really cool and it's and I think if it's going where and I, and let's, let's be real. The comics and the movies are somewhat in line in a sense to where, you know the movie. The movie knows where it's going, and it told the comics where it's going. The comics gonna follow suit, rightfully so. And I think we're seeing that, and it's really, really cool. And I'm really excited to see, you know, more of this. And uh, yeah, if you if you guys are wanting to know more about these characters, th- again, this new comic series it just started releasing in Marvel Unlimited. It's on there. Like, go start reading it. And it's only like three, four issues deep. So it, the ground floor is right there. Hit it. It's it's again. It looks beautiful, and you get to learn about these interesting characters. And it's by far the most interesting part of this and, and any comic iteration I've read of them. And I've read a number of them now. So go check it out. And, and I love. And this trailer just kind of gives more of what I kind of I needed to get behind it. And it, and it gave me cool looking costumes and a, and I think a godlike reverence. And again, the world mind thing is really really cool.
0: Yeah, unimind is what we're talking about.
1: I say world mind, unimind. It's, it's the same thing. Same difference.
0: So uh, we also get, uh, we see Sprite singing aboard a private jet. I don't know if this is singing live. I don't know if this is karaoke. If so, then this is definitely the year of karaoke in the MCU because we got that in the Shang-Chi trailer as well. Um, But this private jet must belong to Kingo. There's a K on the door, uh, as we can see, and aboard the private jet. Uh, We also see Kingo asleep in a sleep mask uh, behind uh, Sprite. Gilgamesh is also there, passed out asleep. So not everybody is partaking in the singing um, or listening to the singing. Uh, We also see what looks like Cap's original shield in the background of this. So Kingo appears to be a collector, uh, perhaps an Avengers fanboy, uh, and has, it looks like, Cap's original shield somehow. Like um,
1: the like the square, or yeah, like the the square, triangle, the the, yeah, yeah, the triangle, yeah, the triangle
0: yeah. one that Cap had before he got the vibranium shield back in the first Avenger. It's right there, uh, if you see it back to the right in that shot. So I don't know if that's like the original one or if that's a replica or whatever. I don't know. Maybe it will be explained uh, when we have our scenes aboard that private jet in the movie. But it's cool to it see that. Um, and then we get a shot of. Kit Harrington's Dane Whitman and Cersei looking at something. We see other people looking at it. It looks like some sort of storm is brewing. Uh, And then we get that great cliffside shot of all the Eternals in Mm -hmm. costume, like superhero costume, eternal, uh, immortal superheroes costumes. (laughs) Uh, And they look spectacular. Like, I just... They look really cool. I absolutely love it. And, I mean, it's also... I mean, you know about it because this cast is massive, but then when you see them all together in one shot in costume, uh, that is a sight to behold, and it just looks great. And I mean, just the visual of it, um, as we've talked about the cinematography in this uh, several times throughout this podcast, breaking down this trailer, um, it looks so gorgeous and uh, just a great shot that makes these characters that... The vast majority of people watching this teaser trailer have no idea who these characters are, but they look like a million bucks uh, in that shot. Uh, Just look great. And then we get an awesome title treatment with the Eternals title coming in. Uh, And then we get a tag at the end of this trailer. Sprite wonders who's going to lead the Avengers now that Captain Rogers and Iron Man are both gone. Icarus, played by Richard Madden, suggests he could lead them. Uh, He could lead the Avengers. Everyone laughs. uh, And that's it. Uh, Now, I've seen some different reactions to this part of the trailer because tonally it is very different. There's nothing really comedic in most of the trailer that plays before this tag. And so some people said, oh, this is the Marvel quip thing again. It's not really I mean, it's not that much of a quip. Mm. Um, I'm fine with this scene because I understand its function. Um, Trailers are still marketing as artfully made as this trailer may be. It's still a marketing tool, and I don't know that there's ever been, at least not since like the days where people didn't even know the MCU was a thing, like back in the Phase One days, I don't know that, you know, since the MCU became so popular, if there's been a teaser trailer that was less obviously an MCU movie than, than this one, because it doesn't look like, not to say that all Marvel movies look the same, but this looks very, very different. Visually, this is not... What anyone really expects from the Marvel Cinematic Universe tonally. Um, this trailer is not very, what you've seen in previous Marvel Studios movies. It very much has its own look, its own feel, its own tone, its own identity for an audience. And so it's just not as obvious that this is a Marvel Studios movie, even though you see the Marvel Studios logo in it. It's just the connections to everything else that's part of the MCU that people love so much. They're not as immediately apparent. And so I understand why this tag is there. It establishes that, yeah, this is part of the same universe with those Avengers movies that you like, because here they are talking about the Avengers and asking some of the asking one of the the same questions we've been asking since we saw Avengers Endgame of who are who's our new leader or who are our new leaders going to be for the Avengers. So I understand its function, its purpose within the marketing, and I'm good with it on that level. But I also think it's more than that. I mean, one of the questions I found myself wondering is, why are they laughing? And the obvious answer to that question is they're laughing specifically at Icarus, like the idea of this guy leading the Avengers. But there's also another idea to that is maybe they're maybe they're laughing at the very idea of any Eternal leading the Avengers because, hey, that's not what they do. Like it would be it would be wrong for us to lead the Avengers. It doesn't matter whether it's Icarus or Sprite or Gilgamesh or Cersei or whoever else. It would be wrong for any of us to try and step in and lead the Avengers because that's not our role here. So that's why, regardless of who said it, it's a ridiculous idea. But then again, maybe it's even more so a ridiculous idea because it is Icarus who said it, although Icarus is a leader among and often the leader among the Eternals in the comic book, so it's not that crazy uh, to think about, but in the MCU version, maybe it's a bit laughable, but on an, on an even bigger scale, or on an, in an even broader sense, yeah, any Eternal in general leading the Avengers, especially if this is early in the movie, like maybe this is before they step out and, have, and reveal themselves to the world in a larger way, yeah, the idea of any of them uh, leading Earth's Mightiest Heroes just doesn't work.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's what I thought too. Immediately, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, you, you can't do that. You know, no, no, it was it was not that he can't. Yeah. It's well, that
0: like none of us should, can, yeah, well, <laughs> or none, none of us yeah, should.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either, you know, let's be real. Either one, any one of them, probably could lead the Avengers because of their power level alone, right? So you know at least from that standpoint so it, great point you know great point there and that's what I picked you know picked up on immediately it was like oh yeah that's never gonna happen which again is ironic because Cersei probably will be joining the Avengers which is really cool to think about and again I think it kind of adds to that I to that idea that we talked about earlier Sean that I, at least with me I think this movie is about the fact that you know Circe is going to have to detach herself from her family because she doesn't connect with them on that level and agree with them of what they should be doing. And so I think kind of adds that idea of like, you know, most of her family, the people she knows the best, even her former lover is what we see, you know, that, that they all kind of like scoff at the idea of helping, you know, and that again, kind of you're building to that. And I think that this kind of tag is a great example of that. And so yeah I, I I and we talked before the show wasn't a huge fan of the delivery of Sprite right there I'm not saying that she's going to be a you know terrible character or anything but just it just it just felt kind of weird the way she said it Um, but I did like the effect again, the the setup of acknowledging the Avengers are there acknowledging that, you know, Captain America and Iron Man are people of, you know, leaders and they're gone now. And, and I think the other thing that maybe we haven't really talked much about or have, I personally haven't seen online a lot is the fact that they're acknowledging the fact that the Avengers are leaderless. So it's, that's, what's interesting too, is they're acknowledging that the Avengers one will probably still exist. And two, who there's no one really right now taking up leadership for that. Mm-hmm. And that's fascinating to me. So, and that's a whole other podcast we can get into at a different time. But. Well,
0: let's also look at specific words here. Didn't say Captain America and Iron Man are both gone. Said Captain Rogers and Iron Man are both mm-hmm. gone.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Did not say right. Captain America is gone, but it also, which means that, yeah, we're sort of acknowledging now. I don't know if this was said before they knew, timelines, you know, for everything got delayed so much, but like, I yeah. I don't know if this was all is Sam Wilson was, although I think he still should have been like, cause yeah. Uh, yeah, this would have been, this was always intended to be after, cause this was originally supposed to come out in November of last year and in Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to come out in August of last year originally. So this would have come out after Falcon and Winter Soldier. So um, and of course, that becoming Captain America in the Winter Soldier. So yeah, that really could be the thing. Is that uh, Sam is already Captain America at this point in the story? Um, but just because Sam Wilson is Captain America, and as brilliant as his first speech as Captain America was in the finale of the Falcon and Winter Soldier, maybe it's not just the immediate assumption all around the world that Captain America now, as Sam, you know, with Sam Wilson now in that with that mantle continues to be a leader of the Avengers. Maybe that's not assumed, that's not as automatic as maybe we might otherwise think it would be, and this could totally, again, be us reading way too much into specific wording within a teaser trailer, but, I don't know, these things often are not accidental, and so it did have me thinking about that. The fact that, and I think the reason why the wording stood out so much is because you call one guy by his rank and actual last name and another guy by his superhero name didn't say captain rogers and tony stark in which case i would have said okay they're just using names but you know using real names as opposed to superhero names but one guy got his real name the other guy got his superhero name uh, which i think is differentiating this idea and acknowledging that captain america is still around it's just a different guy and and it doesn't mean that that guy is leading the avengers i mean I'm not here to question Sam Wilson's qualifications to lead the Avengers, but this may right. be a suggestion, maybe a way of hinting that um, that it's still a big question across all the MCU of who's leading the Avengers. And just because there's a new Captain America doesn't mean he plays every single role that the previous Captain America did, including potentially being a leader of the Avengers.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I think that this is where I think is, is really cool that they could be... We all know they're going to slowly build back to
0: a new real Avengers team, which sure. I'm really
1: excited about. I think this is, and this is just the early, early stages. We've got WandaVision. division, yeah, and but you
0: know, I'm glad they're taking their time.
1: Exactly, and that's and this is where I think that it behooves them to take their time because now you can slowly build and and start placing that new, really diverse. And I, I mean, I mean both by diverse as like. The, you know, the different kinds of char- you know, people in there, like, again, you have you'll have Asian people and a lot, of, not just, you know, a bunch of white people, but also diverse characters in general, not just mm-hmm. the same characters we had before. We're going to have a different Captain America. We're probably going to have a different, we might even have an Iron Man character, you know,
0: for all well, I know. Who we're going to have Ironheart. I don't know if she's going to be a...
1: Young Avenger. Exactly. I'm going to yeah, go with Young Avenger. I don't, Avengers, I don't know Man. what
0: team she's on. Yeah, presumably Young Avengers, but...
1: But you get what I'm saying. Yeah, like we're gonna yeah. have a really diverse like team of just characters, which is right. really really cool. And I think that's what I think is really exciting. They're kind of hinting at, and we're gonna get every movie. I feel like we're gonna get one more you know piece of that Avenger puzzle. So it's exciting, and I love the fact that we're, it, This is like almost like the first acknowledgement because this will be um, the first after an uh, Endgame movie, not necessarily uh, that takes place after Endgame, not not including One Division in Falcon or soldier. So it's just more kind of instigating that idea of like these different characters gonna be joining that team eventually or going towards the Avengers anyway.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I love that these questions are kind of out there for yeah. us and the characters within the MCU at the same time. And it just points to, you know, the story is going to answer these questions. Like you go back to Spider-Man far from home and like the opening bit with like the kids news at the high school or whatever. And they're like, are the Avengers even still a thing? anymore and I love that these are things that people don't know within the world of the MCU because it means that they are going like you don't answer the or you don't ask these types of questions over and over again in your stories if you don't intend to answer them not that we ever would have assumed that they wouldn't like of course they would but I think it also hints to as we said they they're going to take their time and I like this I was having a conversation with someone today about this teaser trailer and it's a topic that's come up You know, a a few times since Avengers Endgame, but I'm still happy to be in this period of it. Like, I know we talk about, uh, of course, we speculate. We have spent an hour talking about a two minute teaser trailer, which seems crazy when we've been talking about, you know, doing spoiler reviews for podcast or spoiler reviews for full on Disney Plus episodes. But if you've been with us long enough, you know, we can do this. <laughs> we can yeah. spend, uh, We will find a way to spend way too much time talking about a teaser trailer. But I, I think the reason why it's so much fun, though, to have these conversations right now and think about and watch this stuff is we spent the last several years, you know, in Phase Three, not knowing how it was all going to end and how it was all going to wrap up. But we ha- we knew we had like a, a pretty big general framework and outline because we knew we were building to. Infinity Stones, Infinity Gauntlet, battle with Thanos and, you know, win and basically see who's gonna, who makes it out, uh, you know, who survives the the final victory over Thanos. But now we're in this, I know there's so many people wanting to know where's it all going and, and said, you know, mutants and wh- what's the next Avengers team and who's leading it? And yes, these are very interesting questions that I look forward to getting answers to as we watch things unfold. But the important thing is just watching things unfold. Like you go... I don't think I've felt this much of a sense of mystery about where things were going to go in the MCU since phase one, you know, since it was all coming together and we just barely knew, or or maybe, I mean, maybe even since, well, I guess phase one, we knew it would culminate in an Avengers movie, but we still didn't know where things were going. Like it, everything felt more isolated, um, as opposed to feeding into like the bigger story and we know it's all connected and we know there's a bigger story that's going to unfold. Um, but I like being in this place where whatever that narrative is, whatever that through line that's going to connect to what's happening now in the MCU versus the movies and series that are coming out five years from now, six, seven, 10 years from now, I'm glad that we don't know exactly what that is yet, because if we know, if we learn what it is right now, then by the time it culminates, we'd be bored of it. So it's all these things in due time. We did not, uh, even at the end of phase one, we didn't Fully understand what the end of Phase Three would be. All, all eyes were on Phase Two, and we actually thought Thanos was going to be the villain in the second Avengers movie, not the third and fourth Avengers movies. So I, I like being in this space right now of just not knowing and just appreciating what we get as we get it, and then yeah, eventually we'll start to discover uh, where things are headed uh, toward a bigger culmination. But all of that can be revealed in due time, and I like that this is just focusing on you know, there are questions that we wonder about, but also it's really more about the stories that and the characters that are right in front of us. And based on this trailer, I mean, I've been very intrigued by this idea. Eternals has been, I don't really have a most anticipated Marvel movie because there's every single one of them. I just can't wait to see. Um, but this one has uh, felt special because I've been a fan of Chloe Zhao and just feel felt like she would knock it out of the park with this one been very excited by the idea of taking something where Eternals it's more of a concept than a bunch of well-defined beloved stories in the comic books you don't really have this Eternals run that everybody points to besides the Jack Kirby run because everybody knows that's where it started and Jack Kirby is king but there's not nothing about this was ever fully fleshed out I don't think in yeah. the comic books and I think it created a very unique opportunity for Marvel Studios to bring in a visionary filmmaker like Chloe Zhao uh, and have her on a, a canvas that is not totally blank, um, but there's less on that canvas than there generally is for a lot of other Marvel characters and, and stories and properties. And to have her come in uh, and bring her uh, bring her vision to this, uh, just a very unique opportunity. And based on what I'm seeing here on this teaser trailer, it looks like they're making the most of it. Everything about this, it feels as big and epic as a story that spans 7,000 years should, featuring immortal, godlike characters. Um, But then also, it seems to have a level of intimacy to it in Mm. uh, these smaller moments that we're seeing between these characters. And, um, And I just love what we got from it. And it's just a teaser trailer. Like, we still don't know the plot of this movie just yet. There's a lot of things we don't know, but we shouldn't know these things yet. It is just a teaser. But I do wonder as the marketing goes on, because this is a property that people don't know as well, I wonder if this might be a movie that Marvel Studios is willing to share more in the marketing than they have lately, just because if they end up feeling like they got to give people more in order to get them hooked. But um, if if nothing else, I'm intrigued. But well, I'm more than intrigued by this trailer. I'm all about it. But I I think for a lot of more from a more general audience perspective, I wouldn't be surprised that people were already intrigued by this one.
1: Absolutely. I, I couldn't say it any better. I, th- I think that there is this movie has surprised me of how interesting looking it, it is than I and, and where they're kind of taking it. And so I, again, for all I know, it could be the best Marvel film that I, you know, I'll see and it could be the worst. I have, I have no idea where, where, where to go on this. It's so far as making me at least I'm super intrigued. And I'm, and again, I think this is way more interesting than the comics have done in years, besides the current comic book. So, definitely am excited to see where this goes. Um, I like the the real quick picture we got from Athena in the the movie uh
0: mm-hmm.
1: trailer we got from a couple weeks ago, and seeing a little more today, kind of maybe go okay, I'm in. So yeah, I'm excited to see what we're given this. I I mean. Like I said, I have no idea if I'm going to like or hate this. I, I really have no idea. I have no idea. So, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm at least intrigued in that sense. So, yeah, I can't wait to see more and see where my, my needle goes, i right. could say.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if I'm going to like it or not either. I'm not committed to liking it. Sure. Yeah. Generally speaking, I'm a big fan of what Marvel Studios puts out. So, <laughs> odds are good. Uh, I'm going to like it. I like what Marvel Studios does. I like what Chloe Zhao does. So, you put them together and it's probably the result is probably going to be a movie that I like. But. Um, it's really more just about the confidence that I already had in this project. Not that it, I mean, who cares that I was confident in it? But just from my own experience, I've been pretty confident in how this would turn out. But believing in something just based on a, a filmmaker's previous body of work, as well as, you know, when I say that, that counts for Chloe Zhao, it counts for Kevin Feige and the whole Marvel Studios team, the filmmakers over there. As much as you believe in the people involved in this unbelievable cast that we met at Comic-Con in 2019, there was just an incredible amount of talent involved in this movie, and that's never a bad place to start. So plenty of reasons to be confident, but the best reasons and the biggest reasons are the ones you actually see on screen, uh, and that's what we got in this teaser trailer. So this is a very, very promising first look, and I'm so glad it was because we waited so long to get it. Uh, but thankfully this teaser trailer was worth the wait and hopefully the movie will be as well and I suspect that it will be. Uh, But that is where we're going to wrap up this show, but not before we give some thank yous. So thank you very much to Tom S., Daniel H., Pinky Promise, love that name, uh, Leah W., and Matt B., some of the latest patrons accessing exclusive podcasts at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, that's S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R., or just hit the link in the show notes. As I mentioned, got Fan Show Plus rolling right now featuring spoiler reviews of The Bad Batch, the Star Wars animated series on Disney Plus. Really enjoying that so far. Hopefully you are as well uh, if you are watching and enjoy those spoiler reviews. And then make sure you're following us in all those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Paul, where can they find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, aka Thug. Also, please follow my, and subscribe and like all my videos uh, on the Comic Binge YouTube channel. Again, I have a, a an Eternals video where I, I break down a little bit of the new comic book series, and I, I really recommend checking that out if you're kind of on the fence about checking out the comic books, because... The new series is great. I went into it on the show already, but go check the video out. I think it's a good kind of introduction to kind of get your, just kind of get your head right with, as far as if you want to go, you know, deep in Eternals love. And I think this is a good, uh, good thing to, thing to go. And um, yeah, thanks for people who've already uh, subscribed and and uh, all that. So thank you very much for your support.
0: And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening to MCU Fan Show. We'll see you next time.